Welcome to Develop Lex, a middle tech production hosted by me, Weston Lockhart, Ross Boggess, and Evan Knowles. This series will focus on the ins and outs of real estate development and investing, where we'll have the opportunity to sit down with developers of our cities, veterans of the industry, and key people that have over time made a massive impact on communities and neighborhoods. The purpose of this series is to be able to bring a knowledge base to our audience beyond that of what reading a book or watching a how-to video ever could, and educate from those who have done it by hearing their stories, both good and bad, along the way. We feel that historically the learnings of real estate have been inaccessible without being connected, and we would love to open the doors to the next generation of doers, as well as shine a light on how visions of community have been brought to life. We hope you enjoy. Before diving in, we'll get a quick word from our sponsors. DevelopLex is sponsored by SVN Stone Commercial Real Estate, a full-service commercial real estate firm located in Lexington, Kentucky, affiliated with the SVN International Network, which is comprised of over 1,600 advisors and staff and 200-plus offices across the globe. The SVN Stone team consists of experienced commercial real estate advisors in the heart of the bluegrass. SVN provides commercial real estate services to large corporations, middle market businesses, and individual entrepreneurial investors. Serving the greater Lexington area, SVN offers advisory services for sales, leasing, management, and development of commercial properties locally, regionally, and nationally. With transaction volume of over $400 million, the advisors at SVN Stone Commercial Real Estate have vast experience and deep understanding of all aspects of commercial real estate. We are also sponsored by Community Trust Bank. Community Trust offers a wide variety of home loans, commercial loans, and small business loans to suit your financial needs, as well as mobile banking, internet banking, and bill pay. Their friendly and professional staff would love to assist you at one of their six Lexington locations. Community Trust Bank is committed to building communities built on trust. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Develop Lex is sponsored by Rapid Fire Investments. Rapid Fire Investments provides access to off-market, distressed, and discounted real estate opportunities in the Central Kentucky area. If you're an investor or looking to invest in Central Kentucky, check out their website at rapidfireinvestments.com to see a list of their available deals. Welcome back to Develop Lex. Uh, today, you have Weston and Ross again in the Awesome Inc. studio, and we thought it would be a really good time to do kind of a moment in time um, episode you know, we've we've talked about on the show before that we want to do kind of this every quarter or whatever it might be. Uh, we felt like at this moment in time in real estate, obviously there's a lot of turbulence and a lot of change in um, the market and, you know, people talking about recession and all these crazy things um, in regards to real estate and the economy as a whole. So we thought it'd be cool to take a snapshot of the moment, talk about, you know, what our day-to-days are uh, in the moment and being in the real estate world what we're seeing. So let's jump into interest rates. That is one that I think is most fascinating to talk about that I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing that it's going up and the Fed meets and yeah, what does all that mean too? You know, that's I think I think there's a lot of like, confusion from consumers as to like why interest rates are going up. Well, and I think what we maybe a, a history lesson that we should all be looking towards is the Carter administration. One administration before Reagan, there were very similar conditions to this. And similar to where, just like a pandemic, we need to learn from how people have done things in the past, just like development should be in Lexington, where we learn from the people who have done it before us. I think we're getting to a point where there's a, a 
critical mass of people, young adults that have no clue about the history of what happened in the Carter administration when interest rates were getting similar, the pressures that real estate felt if you had some sort of adjustable um, back then, and can some of these properties even survive at that? Yeah, write leases that expect a certain interest rate, and then it goes above that. And what happens when the the owners having to pay a little bit more yeah. um, than than what's coming in? So, uh, I'd be curious to understand from inventory side what you're seeing, Weston. Yeah. So you know, interest rates are historically low right now, still, and at this point in time. We are still, you know, I've been talking to banks recently, and I would say the interest rates are anywhere from 5.75% to other banks might be at six to six and a half, whatever it might be. Interest rates are still historically low. In the past, interest rates have gotten up to 21%. And so people are still going to be buying and selling that, you know, it's just different. In any real estate market, turbulence is good. And so like people are still going to be buying and selling. It's just good. It's just good for agents. Um, or it's good for buyers and sellers as well. Inventory wise in the last year, inventory has been so constrained because prices have been so high. Prices have been so high because interest rates have been so low and there's just been so little supply and prices have just gone up so much. And so naturally in order to try to correct that cycle, the you know fed is raising rates in order to to chill that out a little bit i saw a tweet the other day i'm i'm big into real estate twitter right now um i saw a tweet the other day and i don't remember what the amount was but let's call it two thousand bucks a month i don't think that was right but let's call it two thousand bucks a month it was saying that if you had locked a loan six months ago at two and a half you would have been able to pay 2000 bucks a month for your mortgage and buy like a $700,000 house. Again, I don't think these are the right numbers. I could have looked at the tweet before this, but I'm not going to. Now you can buy that same, or you can buy a house with that same monthly mortgage amount and you're getting like a $450,000 house. They're still historically low, but it changes the valuation of a house tremendously. So with that though, I think the question is, does that mean that the house is actually worth $450,000 or did you overpay for that house? Like, did you buy a $450,000 house? If you tried to sell your $700,000 house right now, would somebody only pay $450,000 or did you mess up and not buy a house at that time? You know, like there, it's just, there's just a lot to it. Well, and I think uh, now we're dipping into how can you value property? Um, Commercial, you can check out a rent roll. Um, residential, you can check out comps. Special use, you can figure out the built cost for it. But I think value is a little bit more independent from maybe what is attainable uh, is what you have to adjust. But mm -hmm. the value of a house is relatively secure, at least for now. Obviously, I think we're all getting into seasons where we don't know exactly what's coming. But my gosh, the people that got some of those wins over the past two years are are loving it. Yeah, so. for sure. And and it's different for different types of assets too. So when you're valuing a residential property, you know, you're you're buying a home for a home. But when you're looking at like let's call it an investment property. So like what I deal with on a daily basis is like 
what is the cap rate of a property, which a cap rate at its simplest form is net operating income, how much money the property makes divided by sale price. We've seen, and, and the way that I look at that is like a rate of return. So if you bought this million-dollar asset at a six cap, you'd be making $60,000 um, in net operating income a year, for it, just in its simplest form. People were buying four caps to six caps for the last year because money was so cheap for people to go get. Like you could get an interest rate of three to sub three and lock it for a long time. And so you could buy like a very little return asset, but now you can't buy that same deal for the same rate of return because the interest rate that you're getting from a bank might be more than, you know, the rate of return of your property. And a bank won't, a bank won't lend on a six cap property if they're having a lend at six and a half, like you'd be losing money. And so, yeah, we're at a really unique point in time. I think that kind of brings us to the point of like, turbulence is good but i think that for the next few months there is going to be kind of a gap between seller expectations and buyer expectations because this change happens so fast like we've been raising rates so quickly um, with these 75 basis point bumps over the last year that like sellers are still like i'm going to be able to sell my property for this price that I have been for the last year. And maybe people are buying that in cash because people are still kind of rich from all the stimulus that we've had over the last two years. But buyers are also seeing this news on, you know, whatever news source you watch and seeing that there's a recession pending. And so they're like, wow, we should be able to get some bloodbath deals. And so I think that's probably the the hardest part right now, but it's like, that's where the most that's where the most opportunity is going to be is educating sellers, educating buyers and actually making good deals over the next six months. Yeah. And I think if we can zoom out, say 150, 200 years of what interest rates have been in the past, I think a lot of people are still worried about that 1981 Carter season where Things were above 15%, but typically most interest rates will be between 8 and 4, where we have gotten down 1945 to 1.7. 2016 to recently, we're in the 1s, 2s. There's stuff that you look at it that when the Federal Reserve was created in 1913, they have, for the most part, done a good job keeping inflation at a projected 2 to 3%. Um, and kept interest rates stable. Even if we do have a, a moment of spike, it's just like what we're taught when we're in grade school about um, if the stock market starts to go down, don't flash sell. Do what you're doing, stay on, stay on course. Yeah. Um, development, real estate, ownership in general is, a, um, is not a short game. Yeah. Get, we get to stay in it for the long haul, and, and we're here to, to remember it's not just the, the interest rates that can dictate the quality of a property, but look at the, the placements of who's in it and who's some, around some it of those and tenants. And yeah, like we, a, a good neighborhood will outperform bad interest rates any day. Yeah, that's um, true. Uh, a guy in my office always said that like, if you ever find that you've bought a bad deal, just wait 30 years and it'll look like a really, really good deal. Um, cause it, it just like any, um, 
appreciating asset, like over time, appreciation will kind of bail you out of bad buys. Not that you are going to make bad buys over the next year, but um, regardless, another thing that gets talked about a lot right now, it's just a hit word that people, recession sounds bad. And recessions aren't good necessarily, but at like the highest level, recession is just an economic decline for two successive quarters. Um, and so, you know, a GDP drawback in two successive quarters. So yeah, our GDP might be decreasing, but like there are still deals to be had. Like people are still buying real estate, um, just not, you know, like people aren't consuming maybe at the same rates that they were last quarter, which is okay. That's part of a normal economic cycle. We, we have to have recessions in order for our economic cycle to go through a cycle or it would just be constant growth, which is not necessarily a good thing. Well, and I think real estate is a vessel of the lifestyles that we live. Um, so there's product types that are starting to fall dormant um, and, and ones that are just absolutely coming alive. You look at the, the growth of multifamily, that's led to a, a growth in self-storage. As our dwelling units have less square footage, but the mass of items that we maintain uh, remains the same. That means you have to have these accessory storage units with it. The Amazons, the Walmart.coms, the order things online has led to such a big industrial boom. Um, those, those product types are outpacing um, everything just because some have headwinds, some have tailwinds. And, yeah. and, and, and you can find some some good fits regardless of interest rate environments. Yeah, residential is still like, you're still able to find good residential deals. I'll speak to, I, I do a lot of retail work and retail vacancies, the retail vacancy rate is historically low right now. Um, and obviously retail is derived from people purchasing things, people going out and purchasing things. I like to, um, I, I, I like the fact that we work with Popeyes. Um, we do the representation on Popeyes chicken and we just opened a location we didn't. I represented them in finding a location in Berea, and they opened um, this past weekend, um, and they had an incredible weekend. Like, people are still buying chicken. I don't want to downplay the fact that there could be economic swings coming, which there very well could be. That's just part of an economic cycle. Um, but I will say, like, for people, don't bet against real estate. People are still going to be buying real estate. There's st there's still the the need to learn um, about real estate and really stay in tune with the market because this is where people this is where people win. Um, Russ is right. Industrial is still on fire. Multifamily is still on fire. Indust I mean, retail is still on fire. Like there's still some asset types like office and hospitality that have been beat up, but that's not necessarily because of a recession. But it's just a, those are changing asset types with the work from home culture and then hospitality got crushed when people weren't, you know, going out and traveling and staying in hotels. Um, so those haven't really been changed in the last, you know, six months since interest rates have started increasing. Um, but, you know, I don't think that will help them in any capacity. So, yeah, I would still say that we're in a good place. Let's talk regionally for a little bit. Lexington's obviously the center of where most of our listeners are. The surrounding counties, as far as two-hour drive east, are coming here. What what trends are you seeing in some of the peripheral counties? Think about Scott County. Think about uh, Madison County. 
Yeah. Um, I would say Madison County is probably the county that I'm highest on right now. I love the fact that Madison County, and this is from, you know, I really like Madison County, but also from like a commercial and residential investment standpoint, Madison County has a ton of exits off of 75. They have a good workforce. And a Bucky's. And a Bucky's. <laughs> Talk about economic development. <laughs> I would love to see the, the, the tax role yeah. change a just from a pre-Bucky's, post-Bucky's life. Um, <laughs> Dunk Cannon sure. will never be the same. Yeah, and Bucky's is paying, I know Bucky's is paying crazy rates due to their workers. So Madison County is, I'm super high on it. They have the access, but they also have EKU, which is huge. Um, huge for an economy to have a stable college there. They have multiple high schools. They have tourism and Berea, the Pinnacles, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm I'm super high on Madison County right now. Georgetown is one. We do a lot of work in Georgetown. Uh, my firm does. Um, and Georgetown's in a weird place because they have maxed out um, a lot of their development potential for the time being because of sewer capacity. I don't actually know. Um, it sounds uneducated. I mean, I don't know exactly what that means for the residential development there because there are still houses being built. I know with commercial, like if you were to want to put a restaurant there in a in a place not zoned or not approved for development at this point, like it's just not possible because they don't have the capacity, the sewer capacity to be able to support those things. So there's still going to be things that happen there. Uh, but until they until they get their capacity increased, um, well, and it's it's impact fees that the developer has to take on. Those are typically one time fees government imposes that go towards infrastructure. Think roads, think storm sewer, any sort of the public utilities. And, and unless there's a say a TIF that could go towards some of that, um, it's very difficult. Um, to <laughs> to see that number drop down and down and down in an Excel spreadsheet as you realize that you're the one that needs to front it. And the, the development, whether it's a single-family home, um, that price has to adjust up to, to pay for the uh-huh. services that they're taking on. So um, obviously it's not impossible, but somebody's got to pay for it. And um, there's an interesting YouTube video that was put out by Urban3 about what the tax bases look like per acre and where those are located and how density really affects a city's taxes. Um, that downtowns outperform all of the, the suburban areas every single time. The up not out model has proven that it takes less um, space to do more that way. And uh, we'll, we'll maybe post that link in the yeah, it's a great it's a great YouTube video, and what Ross is saying by up up not out um, is what people have been talking about when we talk about the urban service boundary in Lexington um, and other cities in general is you know going up in the downtown instead of more suburban spread um, is kind of it, it's more tax producing in some facets which ross knows more about that than i do but i did watch this youtube video and i'm super high on this youtube video now weston is a pro on this after this youtube video it's i you know he loves you if he sends you a youtube video uh but i would say overall from like a macro standpoint we're still good right now like i'm still incredibly high obviously on real estate and investing in real estate um and like, there's still going to be a ton of deals to be done um, in the next six. 
So Weston, let's talk about inventory. And I think a, a difference for some of the people that may not be in the the commercial world day to day, introduce what Crexy is, CoStar, um, LoopNet, uh, KCREA, and some of those, uh, what a residential person may think about when they hear MLS. Yeah. Um, what does that look like in the commercial world? Yeah. So maybe write these down if you are interested in looking like what your market looks like on the commercial real estate perspective right now. But uh, KCREA, so K-C-R-E-A, I'm not going to spell it out, is probably like the most local thing that we have in Lexington for commercial real estate. And then LoopNet and Crexy are two services that are more national-based and they have more kind of investment type deals. But the same inventory, same as you would look on Zillow for a house, the same inventory is on at least one of those platforms for commercial real estate. And it'll have two categories for the most part, sales and leasing. Yeah. What what trends do you see? I know you're on there literally every day, yeah. uh, multiple times a day. What are some of the things that you're seeing there's different from this time last year yeah. in the listings in the profiles and classes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would say overall inventory, you know, people ask me constantly like what, what it looks like in the last few months since interest rates have gone up. Um, I would say that I've seen more inventory come on the market, like at a reasonable price in the last two months than I have in the last year. There's more investment type deals that are coming on the market. You know, I think something that's interesting about the economic environment that we were in is there were so many deals that were happening, and at least in commercial, but probably in residential too, principal to principal. And I mean, direct from buyer to seller, like agents weren't involved, which oftentimes, you know, that's, that's something that's not inherently bad. But when there's an agent involved on either the buy or sell side, oftentimes that will bring it to market value based off of comps. But I would say that their deals are harder to be done now because the market conditions are changing so quickly. So I think more people are using agents and therefore listing their property compared to uh, leasing hasn't really changed a ton. But in terms of selling property, like there's less principal to principal transactions that are happening right now. I've just seen a ton more inventory. Yeah. Um, and Lexington, I can speak to Lexington a little bit. Lexington right now, industrial is near impossible to find. Um, if you have like a twenty to 40,000 square foot industrial user, there's a handful of properties that you could take them to. Because um, that's industrial as a whole is a asset class that is so hot right now. Ross already mentioned it with, you know, all of the different trends that are going on right now. But Lexington in particular is not building a ton of industrial. Like we don't have a lot of industrial zone land for developers to be building on. Um, I, I think we've had a few interviews that have mentioned that. So when stuff comes up, we could talk about supply and demand um, forever. But the less supply, the more demand. And so obviously that increases prices. Well, and I think a curiosity of mine with industrial, talking about up, not out as well, you go up to Detroit, you go up to Gary, Indiana, there used to be stamping factories that were multiple stories, heavy machinery, 
on a second story, um, buildings were built different. Nowadays, it makes a lot of sense to have this chief of constructed building on a single plane instead of having to have multiple stories. But I do wonder if we'll ever get to a point again where a lot of our building stock looks like what it did when Ford and GM were building plants hmm. up there. Yeah. Um, I know that there's multiple story warehouses that's already going up. I believe Walmart has one uh, that's cold storage and it looks like a parking deck right next to it, but it's for semis. It's hmm. fascinating. Yeah. And I believe that that's a trend in the bigger cities that I do wonder how much permeability there will be into the, the secondary and tertiary markets um, like our region and our city. Yeah, for sure. Y'all, thanks for listening in today. Check out the audience survey that's in the bio down below. Like we mentioned earlier, we really do want to hear what you all are excited about listening to um, and be able to produce content like that for you all. Appreciate y'all listening to us. Check out the newsletter that's going to go out this next Monday. There's some neat stuff in there about property sales, some things that Weston and I are excited about that have been in the news. And um, we'll catch you, catch you next time. 